0: Yeah, we have a little bit of a little bit of background audio this time, and um, <laughs> I hope that there is some audio from me this time. Uh, we apologize, everyone, if you were trying to find what happened last episode. Uh, we had a bit of a technical glitch. Uh, my audio, thanks to a Windows 10 uh, update, uh, just didn't happen. So squirrel and logan could hear me just fine but see uh, this
1: is this is this is what happens chris when you don't let bill gates put a microchip in your arm
0: (laughs) just trying to silence you man that's that's what it really comes down to um but yeah so we we, needless to say um episode four uh, whatever it was last week it, it, it is uh not usable because it's just big empty stretches of me not talking while i'm talking um, which is
1: really just... I mean, it's honestly, it makes it a much better episode. Oh, no,
0: thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's a completely unusable bit of audio. Also, it sounded weird. There was, like, some weird clipping and shit going on, but whatever. Uh, welcome, everyone, to our fifth installment of of Louder for the people in the back, where we're going to be talking about, uh, class politics and sci-fi tech in the sci-fi original series, now Amazon original series, TM, blah, blah, blah. The Expanse, uh, joined today by none other than Logan and Squirrel. And uh, how Hello. are you all doing today, guys?
1: I'm doing all right. It's uh, it's been a long, long week, but yeah. uh, it's good to, to sit down and chill with the Expanse <laughs> and uh, get into some, some cool sci-fi stuff. I don't have, I didn't look up any cool space news. There wasn't all that much interesting stuff going on. But if you are into podcasts, uh, there's a pretty fun science versus. Uh, this week, talking about like UFOs and how most of the time it's not actually a UFO and we're just kind of projecting into the universe. Like, they tell a story about how SETI thought that they found aliens and it turns out it was just a satellite that we launched to monitor the sun. Uh, and they, they hadn't bothered to like filter that out and they were like really excited <laughs> until they did the math or like, oh, wait a second, that's just one of ours. Oh, um, but so it's, it's a pretty cool and it's, yeah, it's a pretty Jody cool Jody Foster must have been episode. so disappointed. <laughs> Well, actually, that's the cool thing is they – one of the people they interview is the woman that Jodie Foster's character is based on. Really? Because yeah. she's one of the co-founders of SETI. Yeah. Oh, right. Um, because, like, yeah, and it's it, it's pretty interesting. It's one of those, like – you know, I like the Fermi paradox. It's a fun thing to kind of play around with and, like, you know. Oh, yeah. In, the, in the, the trillions and trillions and trillions of planets that are out there, um, there's got to be somebody at least as stupid as us, if not slightly <laughs> less stupid, <laughs> they're, they're hoping. You know, Ooh, as we no. make our way towards becoming a, a level one civilization uh, and hopefully not destroying ourselves in the process, see if we hit that great filter. And that kind of is what The Expanse is all about, is humanity coming right up against the great filter over and over and over again and just just not quite being defeated by it yet. yet. And that is the, the key phrase is yet.
0: <laughs> uh, well, yeah. So, uh, Logan, how 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 are you doing?
2: Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, my partner got their uh, second shot of vaccination this week. So basically the back half of this uh, week was just kind of just sitting around monitoring the side effects and just going, hey, baby, do you want to play Fortnite or do you want to watch me play Fortnite? <laughs> That's basically the last few days.
0: For me. That's so sweet, honestly. <laughs> it was very chill. <laughs> nice. The couple that Fortnite's together stays together. Indeed. Uh, but yeah, so it, it's 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 been a week. Um, but let's just go ahead and like hop right on into it. I, I, my week was crazy, but that's because I've, I've got like a real job now. so it's a thing, and I'm readjusting to that life and it's uh, it's interesting. But, um, yeah. last week, where we ended up because we did miss uh, two episodes, uh, we basically saw the entry of the Blue Falcon. So uh, squirrel, do you want to set the set the scene for us a little bit here?
1: Yeah, so uh, last episode where we left off, the crew of the Rocinante had made their way all the way to Eros uh, after finding the uh, Anubis and blowing the ever-living fuck out of the Anubis, because fuck that ship. Uh, And they uh, finally met up with Josephus Miller. Those parallel storylines finally came together, and they found the body of Julie Mao. uh, Going through some rather disturbing changes uh, in this what is still thought in universe to be some sort of a bioweapon, but we get a little bit more clarity and light on this as it's going forward and get like a little bit of an introduction to the people who are controlling this. But so episode nine hops us all the way back to the beginning of the series. And after a little bit of a, a, Simpsons clip. So, so special, uh, they put us into the perspective of Julie Mao. And so we'll start there while she is aboard the Scopuli, which is tracing the, which is tracking the Anubis after the Anubis has left Phoebe station after essentially, Burning the entire station to the ground and taking the data cores and making off with this possible bioweapon. And so, as they're tracking the Anubis out by the asteroid where we first see the Kant, uh, or the Kant, not the Kant. It's not the, you know, <laughs> not, the not the philosopher, but the, but the uh, the the, uh, the ice-hauling ship, the Canterbury.
2: <laughs> I thought you were getting British.
1: <laughs> but uh, you know. So what, what we're gonna see now is what happened before the cant was destroyed. And here we see a heads-up display where basically they're finally tracking down the Anubis. They're getting very close to it. And then shit goes very sideways. So we'll watch this sort of like action packed clip as the tables get turned on Julie and her belter crew.
3: Where did that come from?
1: It's Anubis.
3: That's a gunship.
1: which seems cool. it's so loud.
0: I turned it down and it's still so loud.
3: Breaching pod amid ship. Seal all compartments all hands we are
1: being boarded. And so they were kind of seeing some like kind of cool sci-fi tech because, you know, if you want to board a ship in space, you can't really vent the ship and yourself. You've got to figure out a way to get from the breaching pod into that other ship without everyone dying. Yep. Uh that's kind of a key part of, of being able to board a ship and no kitty you you can't go out just yet. You just have to chill. <laughs> Sorry, my cat is being a She's gotten she's gotten her 20 hours of beauty sleep and she's like, "Well, now it's time for my 2 hours of being an annoying little shit." So, um but anyways, so I, as they're boarding the Anubis, uh obviously the Belters aren't prepared for this, right? Like no. they're they don't really know what they're going after.
0: Well, they 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 go into this expecting that you know, it's a bunch of scientists. That's that's what Julia is telling them in the preamble to that that attack was that it's a bunch of scientists. They're going to put up a fight, but they're just a bunch of scientists. Like that's that's what they're expecting. Um, but uh, uh, Logan, Logan, how 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 are your Belter's doing with uh, this turn of events?
2: Well, listen, we just thought we were gonna fuck up some nerds. All right, <laughs> like that was the plan. It seemed like a good plan at the time, and. You know, you know, no battle plan ever survives contact with the enemy. and uh, pretty much immediately upon contacting the enemy, the plan goes right out the window. And it turns out the scientists are actually what if blackwater, but also bioweapons? And uh, it didn't it didn't go well for for our for our crew here. yeah, uh,
0: a bunch of these motherfuckers showed up on their ship. It was it's weird because, Literally within like 10 seconds of a breaching pod hitting uh, the scopuli by at least in the terms of the show, like Julie's like there's a breaching pod amidships. The next thing you know, there is a laser like uh, a welding torch cutting through the door to the bridge. And it's like that didn't take long at all. Also, they don't mention how like these people who just breached the ship are all in vac suits prepared to engage in, you know, hand to hand combat uh in 0g and in the vacuum of space and Julie and the other people on the ship are not in their vac suits so technically,
1: well i think well those guys are all those guys are all in combat suits like they're cuz these are the same combat suits we saw on the donager like when they were cuz this is the same the same people who attacked yeah. the donager and their combat uh, tried vac to,
0: suits like this Yeah well which makes vacuum. sense yeah
1: yeah, but, I, you know, with the breaching pods, it looks like they were welding into the ship or cutting into the ship. So ostensibly, they're not creating a vacuum, though they do uh, space some of the belters after they they take over the ship yeah, and keep a couple more of them for interrogation. Yep. Uh, and apparently just to beat the hell out of for, for no good reason. Um, but what we're seeing here also is kind of the connection we were talking about last time where – we're seeing a lot of corporate power, right? Like Mao Kawasaki apparently isn't just a big like shipping concern and technology company that owns a bunch of subsidiaries, but they also have like military grade technology um, that can rival the biggest military, Mao Krakowski, thank you. Um, But have like military grade technology that can rival the biggest hegemons in the solar system.
0: Absolutely. Uh, And uh, I I hate to break it to you, Logan, uh, y'all are not the biggest hegemons in the system.
2: No, no. no. Uh, our our purchasing power for uh, uh fuck you tech <laughs> is quite low.
0: <laughs> That's putting it mildly. Um, yeah, it does not go well. Uh, so uh, that 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 happens. Um, it goes about as well as one could expect of a bunch of uh, ruffians uh, armed with small caliber weapons. Uh, attacking a paramilitary force of as as Squirrel pointed out, uh, Blackwater
1: meets sci-fi hellscape. Uh, I and, mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to shit on labor too much, but this is like if you send a bunch of Teamsters to battle against like SEAL Team Six, like it's not, it's not going to go well.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So after that, um, what what's the uh, the next clip we got here, Squirrel? Anubis Proto.
1: Uh, Oh, so so now so once the once the Anubis uh successfully like grabs the scopuli and mm-hmm. plants the the fake um distress signal on it and like sets up the trap for the Canterbury, uh we hop into the Anubis where uh a bunch of uh well where a bunch of stuff is going down and basically uh Julie Mao is kind of ID'd by one of the people running the Anubis as you know, Pierre our uh, complication Jules, Jules Pierre Mars. Yeah. yeah. Jules Pierre Mao's daughter, uh, and so let's watch this clip real quick. Um, but it also kind of indicates like things are already going bad above on the Anubis. Like whatever happened on Phoebe wasn't contained to Phoebe. All right, let's play it.
0: Yeah. God, beating. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. had a
0: bad. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. the one that was Steelers. flirting with her, and she oh, likes to Take
1: what isn't yours.
0: How'd you know we'd be here? How? No. And she just has to watch him be to that. Hands off that one. She's a complication. Put her in here till they figure out what to do with her. I, I love how they're just like, you know, just lock up the daughter of the boss for a fucking week. Ma'am, in solitary confinement the with scopulate. no food or water. It up soon.
3: Let's hope they take the bait. The sooner we get Earth and Mars at each other's throat, the sooner we get
0: their eyes off the arrows.
1: Thank you, Exposition Lady.
0: <laughs> Does it feel hot in here to you? Oh she's like. No. Well I'm exposition. check climate control and make it cooler.
4: Yes, ma'am.
1: And so we're we're finally kind of getting some indications of what happens when the proto-molecule or this like bioweapon begins taking over. Like the temperature is raising, like things are going wrong. A lot of people aren't like paying attention to that. They're not noticing the the, the fluctuations and she just kind of seems like a shitty manager. Well, uh, but then things kind of accelerate from there. But yeah, go ahead. It's not so
0: much that the temperature in the ship is going up. It's that she was infected. So she's experiencing flu-like symptoms of it feels hot in here. Turn on the air conditioning. Everybody else is like, it's fine. Like, we're fine. This is totally normal. And she's just like, she's clearly the type that, is putting off the vibes of i don't give a shit like i think that she would be like an anti like a, a an anti-masker in the current pandemic like she'd be running around being like fuck it i'm not gonna get sick and then she ends up on a ventilator uh like and is gone in a, like 24 hours because um, that's what's gonna happen here so it, it, yeah but logan you were trying to say something Oh, I just just
2: saying. It's getting hot in here. You've got the molecule.
1: <laughs> Sometimes oh, these
2: bots just have to get out. It's just for me. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I, I think that's I think that's good payback for my tweet earlier. Um, but it, it's also one thing that's going on here that like this is just a little bit of like you know Logan, you're a writer. I've worked in entertainment for a while and the idea that you have to assume your audience is very stupid is unfortunately very prevalent in a lot of like TV writing. So like having that lady just say to these random grunts, like, Hey, here's our plan to upset the entire solar system. It's just like, nobody's going to talk like that. Right? Like no officer is going to like turn to a, a, an ensign and be like, Hey, by the way, here's our grand conspiracy plan. Let's hope that it works. Like that's no, you're not going to do that. But for the audience sake, they just have her say this very like ham-fisted, out of place line, but it does kind of succinctly capture and just answer any questions that somebody may have is like, oh, what the hell is going on here? How does this relate to what was going on earlier? And it's like, oh, that was their plan all along. Even though we've established that like several different ways, that the plan was to start an interstellar war.
2: I think it feels it feels to me like that was a network note. Where uh, and knowing what we know now that that sci fi couldn't sustain uh, the expanse for the entirety of its run. And here we are in the two part finale. And they're like, people have to understand what the hell's going on. So it, it really it kind of indicates very early that they they really liked the show, but they weren't sure about its sustainability. So they're like, OK, we got to make sure people at least understand the fucking finale and maybe they could come back and binge it uh that, that's kind of what it reads like to me and and the writers just they they did their best it, it's just okay let's just get through it as fast as humanly possible and then just move 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 so
0: i i don't really i don't really judge them for that one i mean the the first the opening like 10 15 minutes of this episode is nonstop. like this episode honestly i feel like it's the most dense episode in terms of like plot development and and action moving forward there is a bunch of like actual action as well but most of it is pretty abrupt like just brutal interpersonal conflict <clears throat> joseph is miller uh just beating the <laughs> shit out of people and or shooting them and the conflict is over within a few seconds but there's so much stuff that just happens in this episode like I was going yeah. through this and putting in the time codes for when we were going to pull the clips. And it was just like, oh, my God, I've got like 30 minutes worth of clips that I want to talk about from a 45 minute show. Like, this is so much content. So, so much yeah. dirt was
2: done. And it's weird that Amos did almost none of it. That's
0: true. Yeah. <laughs> in in nine, he did almost none of it. That is v- absolutely. I did not really make that connection. He does uh, threaten to leave Miller behind twice. Um but he doesn't actually,
1: he doesn't actually shoot anybody. No, not nine. No, but he did, he did shoot a bunch of people before. Oh, yeah. And he uh, did himself, he, he did himself get shot, because uh, he's always getting shot. Well, but
0: he, no, he didn't get shot in, in eight, he's... Uh, oh, you're right, he didn't. No, he, he's not going to get shot again for a minute, like, he, he's 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 absorbed the bullets that he needs to take, like... He's got he's a pretty a, good streak going. He's a he's a yeah. beefy boy. He can take a he can take a couple of hits and just keep on trucking. It's
2: like those it's like those workplace signs. Uh, it has been
0: zero days <laughs> since Amos
3: got shot.
0: <laughs> I mean, apparently the actor uh, does a ton of jujitsu and is mm-hmm. like that's just how he rolls, uh, and you can see it with the way he handles himself on screen. Um, yeah, Wes. Uh, what's Wes's last name? Uh, Chatham. Chatham. Yeah, great apparently a super stand-up dude too. So
1: yeah, uh, he plays the character very well. But this is this is definitely like the climax obviously of the season end yes. of the book. Um so all of these plot lines are finally pulling together and yes. pulling together in a pretty like a pretty interesting way. Like that's the one thing I will say about the series as a TV show and a book is that when they end, they end in a way that clearly leaves more ground in front of you but adequately ties up the plot lines that were started in that book you know there's they feel self-contained like you could read one of these books and be like oh that was a very good story but you still want to consume the entire series like it keeps you coming back and asking for more and that's a really hard line to ride and i think a lot of that comes from the fact that you know the books are written by a team of two writers. Now it's more. There's like eight writers involved. Wow. But they were the first like four books were written by two writers under one pen name, which I think helps a lot because this idea we have of like great sci-fi writers like Isaac Asimov or Ian Banks or Ray Bradbury writing these sci-fi epics all by themselves—that's really hard for one person to do, and it's very easy to get lost in your own writing. And I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of turn to you for this aside, uh, Logan, and ask like just from a writing perspective, like what are you seeing as we pull towards the conclusion here? Like, what are the strong points you're really getting?
2: I mean, it's definitely a uh, a question of, okay, we are now starting to see who at least the initial enemy is. Uh, because, you know, up to this point, it's been Earth, Mars, the belt, and we're going, the, the entire series season, we've been going, it doesn't seem like there's any clear villain here Mm-hmm. And yet a lot of people are dying. Is this just going to be the series? But also none of them know who is doing the killing. And they all know that something's wrong, but they don't know who. And they're, and, and the way that this all ties up, kind of, is that they kind of start getting an inkling as to who's behind it, or at least we, the audience, yeah. get more of an inkling as far as who's behind it and and a great thing you know with suspense is you know a, an important component of suspense is that the audience actually knows more than the characters
1: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm.
2: the way the characters are hurtling toward imminent danger and you know that they are and Don't you know go what in kind that of danger room. Yeah. exactly like the 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 best example i can put in is uh die hard with a vengeance when John McClane gets into the elevator with a bunch of all of Jeremy Irons' goons that we know are goons. And you're just sitting there in the elevator going, okay, so when's this shit gonna pop off? (laughs) And sure enough, it does. But there was so much suspense built up because we knew more than John at the time. And, And that's a very strong component of suspense that The Expanse does very well in giving the audience information and allowing the audience to understand that maybe what Amos and Holden and the Rossi crew know is different than what Christian knows and so on and so forth. And that, that creates a lot of great character moments because the, the, the title of the show, it could really just be, the fuck's going on? Do you know? <laughs> I mean, that's really what the show is. And, and, like, and I also just called season one, uh, All the Boys Love Julie Mao. Uh, because that's, (laughs) and and that's also another thing of just everyone loves Julie Mao and almost all of them
0: die because of it. Yeah, they do. I mean, I Anderson. So I I think Anderson Dawes looks at her like his daughter effectively. Like he feels like he's her adopted father, I guess, by the way that he was talking about her with, with Miller Mm -hmm. in previous episodes. But like, it's. Yeah, it's very clear that a lot of guys are falling real hard for Julie real quick. Uh, and uh, yeah, she does not bring, she is not a a bearer of good fortune. Uh, no. for well, I think, her
1: life. You, you know, one of the things that I find kind of interesting about the series, and they, they tease this out more as things go along, is this idea that some people are more special than others. And they really play on that, like holding oh, yeah. Naomi, like these are all people who are large characters in their own lives. And like Julie Mao is definitely part of that. Josephus Miller, like people who are a little bit more special. And like, these are real movers and shakers. And you see this, you know, on earth and more so on, uh, in the belt, we don't spend a lot of time on Mars until later seasons, but this idea that a lot of the people in the solar system are just kind of background dressing, even in their own lives, there's not a lot going on. There's not a lot of ambition that it's very easy to be one of 100 billion humans in the solar system and not really leave an impact or make an impact. And whether or not that has some sort of um, uh, uh, deontological meaning is kind of an open question for the series. But like as we see going forward, like James Holden always just happens to be there when the shit hits the fan. Um, whereas Alex just always happens to be along for the ride. And we kind of see those leadership dynamics pulled out. They really like do a good job, I think, of, of uh, exploring how that happens and why these characters uh, attract a lot of loyalty from the people around them and why these people are able to build power in their own lives. And I just find it to be a very interesting dynamic. It's also one that's like, a little bit cutthroat and brutal, you know? The, the picture of the universe that we live in, in in The Expanse is a much more uncaring and arbitrary universe than even the one that like we live on on the planet Earth. You know, we've talked about like Belter psychology a bit and this idea that like being a slingshotter who's probably only gonna make it to like 25 at the most because like, why not go shooting around some gas giants for fun to try and make some money until you inevitably fuck up the math and burn up in the atmosphere is pretty much the highest AVE you've got.
0: Because at least you get some adrenaline along the way. Let's go, baby. Absolutely. Also, Going thank you for with, teaching uh, me the word sh- deontological, <laughs> because I did not know that before this.
1: But we should we should get back to the plot real quick. Um oh, so, Yeah, I know. But speaking of <laughs> but speaking of people who are movers and shakers in their own life, Julie Mao is locked in this um. We're literally dungeon in the first for...
0: five minutes of the episode still.
1: <laughs> yeah. But Julie Mao is, is locked in this like Solitary confinement dungeon on the ship, the Anubis, and then like they just stop checking on her, believe, and she kind of hears wait, wait, what's wait. going I believe on. believe
0: That it is pronounced the Anubis, exactly. <laughs> um, but Anubis
2: Anubis, <laughs> um, but Anubis. <laughs> okay,
0: I'm done. <laughs> oh God, we're done. We're done. We're done.
1: But, but uh, she is, uh, she's basically left alone for, like, a disturbingly long period of time. Like, people just stop checking on her. She yeah. hears the missile launches that destroy the Canterbury, and then everyone just sort of evaporates, and she's left to try and figure out, like, am I going to dehydrate and starve to death in the cell, or am I going to fucking do something about this? Boop!
0: Yeah, the, the, the prelude to this of, like... All of the foot the foot stomps, like clomping through the hallways with the boots, was pretty, you know, bleak. Also, you can see the Canterbury explode again, which beautiful shot. But also, oof, remember yeah, the
3: Canterbury.
0: Yeah. Also, we, we really should have had another RIP shed moment at some point ah. here. But oh no. Rip. That's it. She's done. She, she touched, touched
1: it. The moment. I mean, anytime I see glowing goo, I touch it. <laughs> this is this is something we alluded to earlier, but I actually want to talk about this a bit. Is the fact that there's like a human coming out of the reactor? Well, so right, like that's weird.
0: Well, it's, it's, I, my understanding of it is that all of them, like, were drawn to the reactor through the protomolecule. This molecule
3: is Lionel Polanski.
0: And, like, lose themselves failed. to it? No? Scopula
3: has been lost.
0: The, the molecule made a human person thing? Hold on. Ah, it reconstructed a There's humunculus. something in the
3: reactor. It looks like it consumed everyone else.
0: So where do all the people If go? it's a
3: bioweapon, I've never seen anything like it. I have to get off the ship.
0: Also, this is a great way to do that.
3: I'll set up an OPA locator beacon and park it where no one else can find it.
0: Here's my report back to the boss. But I just have to leave. It covers all the plot. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it also establishes how much Anderson actually knows.
0: Yeah. That, true. Lying bastard. The station is
3: within range the of the Earth. Anubis
0: shuttle.
3: Yeah. We should tell <laughs> I'll be there. Waiting
0: for you. So, wait. I didn't hear what you said there, Logan. I said, yeah, we should tell the cops everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, he got fired. He's no longer a cop. But,
1: uh... <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, why not tell the random X-Cop everything? <laughs> yeah, fair
0: point, fair point.
1: <laughs> but, but you know, one thing we're beginning to see here, and this comes more into play like next season, so I don't want to give away too much, is the the this weird bioweapon, this blue glowing shit, uh, seems to make everyone disappear. Like, it seems to be breaking them down and then building something for a purpose, but also sort of like recreating humanity. And it it's... Is it learning? What's it doing? We don't really... We don't really know, but it seems to have a will, right? Like this weird blue glowing shit seems to have a purpose and it seems to have an intent and it seems to be trying to do something. We don't really know what that something is yet, but Julie Mao came face to face with it and did the appropriate thing, which is screaming because that's some scary fucking shit to see there and then takes off for Eros to try and you know get rescued and try and make contact with the OPA. And here she is, Arriving on Eros, looking not looking real good. Rough.
0: Uh, like,
1: yeah, not looking good at all.
0: D- yeah, bad uh, day. You're, bad you're day. definitely having a bad day. Like on the verge, they actually show. Like, um, I, I'm assuming that she mugs the not mugs. She robs the person she, who who uh, she was being, I guess, paid to do some you know small sex work stuff relating to Yeah like, yeah
2: my man my man was was unzipping uh, yeah. he was mid he was uh, mid unzip when uh he uh got the business <laughs>
0: Yeah
2: he did <laughs> He got he got a little bit of a knuckle she, sandwich she, there she,
0: she she might be she might be sick but she can still uh kick you swiftly in the nuts Uh it, yeah so she's she realizes that something is very wrong uh, she does what she can to set up a Uh, a series of breadcrumbs. So this next clip that we have on here, is that talking about the breadcrumbs or are we? uh...
1: No. So this is, this is her basically uh, going through the next stages of being infected. And, Ah. you know, as they noted, like her room was torn up. Like there was clearly a struggle and this kind of shows her going through that as well as, uh, you know, she sees, she sees the man who sent her out there. Who's apparently not coming to save her,
0: which by the way, I loved the fact that the clips that they were playing on the news were the clips from where Dawes is introduced with Miller, with the confrontation at the Medina. Like it's literally the same audio. Give the yeah. Martians the water. Like it's just like, oh, they really, they really did just like literally. Well, no, the that's footage. that's not
1: the Medina. That was the that was the docks. The Medina oh, is like um, the, yeah. the 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 street um the street market.
0: I apologize for confusing the, you know, the dwelling spaces of these less than human things of the belters. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, but the, the uh, so down, down by the docks, uh, that, that was where the, that confrontation was happening. So she's watching all of these things unfolding and can't do anything and is being ignored. Why she wasn't able to communicate with Dawes once she got two eros is utterly beyond me um but my
2: my read on that is that uh a it was just really really fucking far and i'm guessing that it was a prioritization of resources that you know setting the scopuli out there was already them going on a limb and then it goes wrong and i think Uh, from Anderson's perspective, it was a question of how exposed are we? And I I think the only way to, in his mind, protect the belt was to not risk that because a whole bunch of shit just went down. Somebody's going to come and check it out. And we can't be there when that checkout happens.
0: Yeah. I mean, it does. I feel like it exposes a lot about Anderson Dawes that he. He's a cold Mm -hmm. man. I, yeah, he knew, but he knew. So it's all all of that that uh, affection that he showed for her when he was having those conversations with Miller, like clearly didn't mean all that much. Which means, frankly, that uh, Julie's got a really bad uh, bad luck streak when it comes to father figures in her life, uh, because they are all cold hearted bastards uh, who are much more intent upon their own personal power structure. Than they are on giving a fuck about her. So the men who love her all die, and the men who are who she looks up to for uh, protection and support and all of the things that you know everyone looks for in a father figure and you know all parental figures uh, just don't fucking care apparently. Uh, because he really he he had to have known that she was on Eros and could have done something about it, uh, but opted not to. Man, now I now I don't like Anderson as much as I used to. <laughs>
2: well, the thing is is that it really goes back to, you know, him talking about his sister when mm. he was talking with Miller. Of it, it wasn't that he had a lack of love for his sister. Sacrifices it was must be made. It it sacrifices must be made for the entire family or else the whole family crumbles. And and I think it's just a repeat of that and and it's definitely consistent within the character he's been telling us who he is and yeah. he's remained very very consistent on that front
1: yeah all right let's uh let's watch this clip of julie
0: sure oh this is so rough the
4: uh. Lord of the why didn't you come No, they're not animals. You have every right to be
3: angry.
0: You should be angry.
2: noticing when the lights and the screens start making her feel wrong.
0: Yeah, her her last words are just so heartbreaking, though. Know? Crying out for the phone <laughs> She is fucking up this room. <laughs> Ooh, she's got the crystal thingies already. Yeah. So she is, she is she is she is proceeding to smash every every glowing object in her vicinity.
2: Anything that's powered
0: has anything, to go. Yeah. Anything with an electrical circuit and she's got glowing blue crystals growing from her And now she is naked on the floor, dragging herself into the bathroom. Uh,
2: Which connects with the the increased body heat that we heard earlier from uh, Project Manager Karen.
1: Very strategically placed crystals there on the chest.
0: I yeah no they 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 uh, they knew how to make sure they could broadcast this on cable television whenever they wanted to. I do
2: appreciate the Universal uh, affiliated cable networks just going we're gonna go right up to the
1: edge. <laughs> but then but then Miller shows up and keep in yeah. mind they have never met.
0: Yes exactly and that little birdie uh, the little birdie shows up frequently in in scenes relating to miller um
1: and the well was... and in in a lot of different scenes um he the birdie comes into play much later on in the series as well
0: yes oh this is just so brutal and uh as as shelby is pointing Three. out in the chat free the nip uh yes amen amen <laughs> to that shelby Amen. But the,
1: we we kind of delve into a little bit of the the body horror here where like we're seeing the this bioweapon just destroying a human body uh-huh. killing it but also like building something else out of it like yeah. we're not exactly sure where it's going but it does it in a very a very brutal way you know it's
0: the I mean the the concluding scene is with her with crystals literally like she is choking to death as these crystals grow out of her throat in a very visceral just like Honestly, it gives me like a Vlad the Impaler vibe, uh, but like in reverse, which somehow is worse. And it's just truly horrifying to think of. Um, and we, we do do we do we have the clip? Uh yeah, we have the clip coming up in a minute here. Um and yeah, fuck her dad, by the way. What an asshole. But we'll get to that in a minute.
1: Yeah, Black, yeah. But... Yeah. <laughs> But so then uh, Josephus Miller and the crew of the Rocinante discover Julie Mao. Uh, then Eros is put into a surprise lockdown when supposedly a ship's reactor blows up in the docks, uh, causing a radiation oh. event on the station and forcing everyone to go into lockdown. But that, that happens but before- in a minute. Like there's some things that happen first. Well, yeah, I was going to say that's what we, we don't have a clip for that one, so I'm setting it up. But <laughs> before we do that, we're going to bounce back to Earth real quick, while uh, Christian Avasarala is still grappling with the death of Frank DeGraf, her very close friend from childhood, her father's friend, actually, uh, and her very close friend when she was you know she was growing yeah, up as a uncle. child he was her, her, her dad's friend. uncle, yeah. Yeah, yeah, essentially, uh, who's apparently uh, taken his own life. And so she visits his home and gets into a little bit of a spat with his partner and then uh, goes into his study to just sort of like mourn him. But Christian Avicerala doesn't do human emotions. So Mm -hmm. what she's actually going in there to do is to search for intelligence, which she finds in the form of these pencils and this is interesting because you're like why the fuck does she need number 2 pencils is she going to go like take the sat's why do number 2 pencils exist in this like sci-fi universe and we get an answer real quickly where it turns out they're fucking hard drives but before we play yeah. that chris i have a question for you go for it could the jose weezar usb sniffing dog <laughs> <find> <laughs> these pencils? um
0: I don't know. Maybe it's it's entirely possible. There's there's you know, uh, presumably there are chemicals that are present in the production of whatever circuitry it is that they have managed to um, stash inside of these little these little uh, wooden wooden cylinders uh, with a graphite tip. Uh, they they uh, maybe uh, you could teach the dog to sniff that out. Like I don't know, but I I just found it uh, absolutely thrilling to see that. These pencils are literally just, like, that is the best surreptitious, like, storage device medium that you can have. Uh, and it, it almost it almost looks like they record the handwriting that was being done. Like, some of the notes that pop up when she's doing it. Yeah, oh, there's yeah, an yeah. image of, like, the drive. But there's also, like, what appear to be handwritten notes because it's clearly not, like, a typeface. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, like... It felt to me kind of like those uh, those e-ink tablet uh, note-taking devices where you're able to like store it and convert it into a PDF or whatever immediately, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't require the e-paper. It just does it with an actual pencil, uh, which looks honestly like a crazy, weird, dystopian future tech that I'm I'm supportive of because like I like that tactile like interface with the technology that is just something. Kind of crazy and awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think that, I don't think it would have been a, t- a tough job. Like, you can teach dogs, you can teach dogs to fucking sniff out cancer. You can teach dogs to, to know when your blood sugar levels are low. You can teach dogs to tell yeah. when you're about to have a fucking seizure. Like, dogs are amazing. I, I would not be surprised if you could teach a dog how to sniff out those fucking pencil USB sticks.
1: But uh, so what do these pencils reveal? Let's show that clip real quick, because this is a piece of intelligence that, you know, no one's sure where the drives for the ship like the Anubis came from. As we talked about earlier, since these are nuclear reactor drives, each drive has a unique signature. And so that's how you're tracking ships throughout the system. That's how you're able to identify them, even if their transponder is trying to lie to you. Um, You're able to, to read the radiation coming out of that drive and know where that drive was created and what ship that drive belongs to. Oh, actually that's not what the clip is about oh whoops uh oh go to oh shit i forgot to
0: you didn't make a clip of it oh
1: i didn't all right so she, oh. she uses the she uses the uh the pencil <laughs> on a uh on a tablet yeah and it reveals that these drives were actually built on earth stations yep so these uh these, uh, these, uh, stealth drives that have been like causing mayhem and destruction across the the galaxy belong to earth. They don't belong to Mars. They don't belong to the belt. But they belong to earth. And that's a crucial piece of technology.
0: But here's the thing is she queries because apparently, uh, Alexa exists in the future and can answer all of your inquiries for you or Google, whatever, uh, And so she's asking these queries of where are these drives located? Show me the, show me what ships these things were installed on. And it keeps returning Mm -hmm. a no data available. And so then she's like, okay, well include black ops in that search because literally she is like the second or third most powerful person on the fucking planet. She's got access Mm -hmm. to all the data. So she should be able to find out where these fucking drives went. And it turns back and says, there's no data. Like, we don't know where those drives went. So we actually do have a clip that tells us where those drives went. I think we can just go ahead and skip. Oh, actually, here it is. It's just in the wrong order. So let's go ahead and play that. Uh, This is actually clip number 11 in the set that you sent me. So we're going to go to that. So here it is.
1: Oh, it's just an image. Hold on. Oh no, it's fine. It's fine. But so here she is pulling up the information <laughs> about the drives, which for some reason Frank deGraf has. So apparently the the um the ambassador to Mars had this information, um, which ostensibly probably came from Martian intelligence. Uh, but Avasarala's own government doesn't seem to have this, or at least she doesn't have uh uh this um access to this mm-hmm. intelligence. It's that secret. But she's able to finally get the the sense that like The bad guy isn't Mars in this one. That's something there's something more going on here that's very bad. And part of what's very bad that's going on is let's go to that that clip that you originally played, because now we're getting clued into why Julie's infection matters in the grand scheme of things. Like she's not just collateral damage. Do you want to do that clip or you want to do the Fred Johnson talking about the drives while we're at it? Is, oh, okay. you know, let's do Fred Johnson, and then we'll then we'll we'll hop yeah. back to to arrows.
0: Bingo, Fred Johnson. Here's your moment to shine, exposing to the universe all of the things that are bad that Earth is doing. Uh, yeah, this is what happens when a, when somebody turns uh, states evidence against the state. I guess.
4: Here you go.
0: <sighs> He's nervous, folks.
4: My name Fred is Johnson, Frederick Frederic Vegas, Lucius Johnson. Johnson. Many of you know me. One way or another, God, that's I come so before bleak. you today not as a member of the Outer Planets Alliance, though I am proud to call myself one, but a citizen of the system. At this moment, the UNN Nathan Hale is headed for Tycho Station to arrest me, because the UN believes I was involved in the attacks on the Donner. I'm not guilty. That's for- not true, and I can prove it. He's not. <laughs> this data cube was recovered from the wreckage of the Donager I... <laughs> and the armor of a Martian Marine. No, it's not. <laughs> I'm broadcasting the raw data with this message. Anyone can examine and authenticate. So escaped. <laughs> it's a detailed
1: analysis Yeah, but he can't say that. No, I know. The
4: they were I have this information. Don't ask me how. <laughs> fighters. Yeah. They didn't
0: come from there. I do love that it comes in right as Avasarala them. was looking at the no drives. No did or could some people won't Aaron Wright in that his uh because of evil I profile god that smug grin on his ass um but None this is some th- change that this, this done. whole clip is actually but setting we can up all
4: change the what we do interaction
0: next. that she has with him in the next episode i've seen um, battle mm-hmm. where
4: I've she taken shows lives. up and
0: he's like oh yeah I've we've, we've uncovered all of these things and i know he's she's that's when she knows, like, I now hear the drum you're beats guilty of war. sin, bud. Like, you're absolutely in on this, this because love if love you power. knew information that I, I didn't know, and I'm right the person with it. all the information...
4: The Belters serve the inner planets for you generation. Got, you, got, you got some, uh, you're guilty. Earth and Mars take.
0: I when you first changed. see her afraid.
4: The things we care about have changed. Even our bodies have changed. We look upon each other as different, and we've grown to hate each other for that now someone somewhere for some ungodly reason wants the whole sad lot of us to fight and die oh this is not the belts fight this evidence proves beyond a doubt that the ships that destroyed the Doniger were built at the bush naval shipyards they were built by earth
0: All right. Time for bad dads.
1: Yep. Yeah. So this is uh this is the uh the scientist that the Anubis was supposed to be holding, uh, finding Julie Mao's corpse and uh getting to work immediately on it. No time for mourning. There's there's intergalactic technology to be done.
0: So Dresden wasn't he wasn't on the Anubis, he was No, but he's part,
1: remember, they, they thought that it was like Dresden and the scientists coming from Phoebe that were going to be on the Anubis. Ah. So that, yeah, these are, these are the, these are the nerds that the Belters thought they were going to, they were going to punch. And uh, it turns out that the, the scientists are perhaps worse than the soldiers, it turns out. (laughs)
0: Yes, yes. Also, they're all in extremely tight leather shiny pants. wearing a mask.
1: Snowdare, boy. But if it's wet, don't touch it. I disagree with that advice.
3: (laughs) Unless you want incredible things to Oh!
0: (laughs) That's a long, drawn-out pause, buddy. She's got more than
3: enough in her. Oh, he's so creepy. Tell the crew to prepare the injections.
0: Enter the Tuskegee... Give us a moment. Experiments.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that uh, on the next episode, but definitely definitely hard to ignore those parallels.
3: Mm-hmm. I'm truly sorry to be the one to have to tell you this, but your daughter is dead. We still don't know what exactly happened on the Anubis, but it looks as though Julie was the lone survivor. Somehow she managed to pilot the shuttle to Iris. The only thing that I can say to temper oh, this heartless. terrible news is that I was able to obtain a viable sample of the protomolecule. The injections had been prepared. We are ready for lockdown. The irradiation units are in place. We can still do what needs to be done. We may not get another chance. We've come so far since that incredible revelation on Phoebe. Now we stand on the precipice. We can only learn. By letting it learn. All you need to do now is say the word. I'll be waiting.
4: <laughs> we are lucky. Proceed is planned. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but you were saying earlier, Chris, you thought like it was instantaneous communication. I think it's actually messages they're sharing back and forth. I don't think it was real time uh, So oh, It's yeah, kind of no, hard no. to tell what the timeline is. I, I just yeah.
0: my my thought had been that if he was on Earth receiving that because he was just talking with Aaron right like not that long ago, um, <clears> he he it would it there would have had to have been at least like a thirty minute to an hour delay. And because, you know, Mars at its closest is something like 20 minutes, uh, 20 light minutes away from Earth. Um, And, of course, that varies depending upon where you are in the in the in the annual cycle uh, or biannual cycle, I guess, because it's a two year thing. Um, But the it, it just seems like it's awfully quick from when Holden and Miller and all of the rest of the folks find Julie And counter uh, semi, uh, and then like run away to everything starts exploding is like not a very long period of time, which means that either the communications between uh, Dresden and Mao are happening very quickly, or uh, Mao, as you pointed out, is probably somewhere off on his like uh, you know evil evil Bond villain yacht. Cruising around the uh, the solar system, you know, with his fingers playing playing the playing the the stellar chess system uh, that he yeah. that the game of uh, interplanetary chess rather that he's got going for him, which he clearly does have going, um, and uh, maybe he is closer to Eros. But like he responds and shit starts happening fucking immediately uh, because there there really was not that much time between them finding julie leaving julie and then everything going to absolute shit uh and that's why i was saying that okay it seems like there was some kind of instantaneous uh yeah tele- telecommunication system that just doesn't they don't they they're not using quantum entanglement to send that kind of a message uh no
1: but um but i was gonna say pull <laughs> up the uh pull up the image uh oh, yeah. that's uh phase two Boop. uh because that's so this this is beginning to show us what they're planning to do on Arrows, and yeah. it's a little bit hard to make like heads or tails of it, but it's it's showing. Well, it's a subway a map of Eros.
0: That's what this is. Yes. It's a subway mm-hmm. map of Arrows, and then it's got five radioactive symbols on it, which presumably represent the radiation shelters, uh, which are going to be used as anti-shelters, uh, <laughs> as we're going to discover in the in the final final clip of uh the episode because I think let's see so we've got
1: so uh, the the crew of the Ross and Ante at this point. Oh go ahead Logan.
2: Uh, I was gonna say before we go, there was something that that Dresden said that uh kinda piqued my interest was uh we have to let it learn, which is very much a strong parallel to the development of strong AI that we are currently uh engaging mm. in, because it very much has That kind of black box thing of we're just gonna let it learn, learn what I don't know. Let's just see what the fuck happens. Nothing could possibly go wrong. (laughs) Uh, And and the more the more that I think about it, it almost seems like uh, the the proto molecule at least you know in the early going has a lot of parallels to the development of artificial intelligence, like true strong AI. Uh, in, in the super intelligent sense of it. Yeah, it really Because does. it's definitely something that we do not understand. Yeah. And it operates on a level that we do not understand.
1: And it's, it's something like interesting, you know, whenever whenever I think about like AI, you know, I'd like to, to talk about this scenario where if you have, you know, if you had an AI and this AI decided, hey, I really want to go to Proxima Centauri. I need all of the oxygen on the fucking planet to go to Proxima Centauri it's not going to stop and think for a second, well, what happens to all of the humans and plants that also need this oxygen? It's just going to take all the fucking oxygen and jet off to Proxima Centauri, the same way that, like, when we want to build a big fuck-off condo complex, we don't stop and think, well, what about the titmouse that lives there? Won't they care that I'm bulldozing its home? And it's like, no, not really, because the consciousness level that we're operating on, it will always be unknowable to that titmouse, and we're not ever going to give a flying fuck about it. Like... On some level, we lose our, our subjectivity. We lose our place as the prime agents, as, as the prime movers in this story.
0: Elon's going to kill us all, isn't he? Yeah.
1: Shh. Sure. But so let's... Uh... So the the crew of the Rocinante has split up. Uh, Some of them are heading back to the ship to try and get it out of here while the radiation lockdown is going on because they all know that this is a setup for something, but they don't know what. Josephus Miller and James Holden have grabbed and murdered uh, one kind of fake security guard. That was just uh, Miller.
0: It wasn't Holden.
1: But they they grab the other one and are kind of forcing him to be their their passport to get through security checkpoints. Well, so they shot him in
0: the gut first. But like this is one yeah. of those things where we're we're, we're watching Miller, basically showing uh, Holden that th- this is this is a thing that Holden's been been grappling with apparently like all season long is like, I th- he in his mind he does not do the violence he
1: believes that he can get or away. or his, his his violence is always justified. Like, he has yes. a reason to do violence. Yeah, but he also doesn't ever
0: want to be the one to pull that trigger, uh, period, even if it is justifiable. Like, he knows that it's justifiable. Like, he knows that Amos has a point when Amos is sitting there ready to gun down the two Martians that are about to board their ship. But he also, he's not willing to do that. He knows that Amos is right, but he's not willing to put that innocent blood on his hands even though it's like you're in the middle of all this shit like there's like things are going to happen and if you don't kill them they are literally going to kill you but he's going to then have to come to grapple with this and in the next episode honestly it's got one of the one of the best uh death scenes of the entire series one of the most satisfying deaths in the entire series when he fails to kill somebody but then The proto molecule takes care of them later, but we'll we'll Mm -hmm. we'll get to that. That's that honestly was the that's at the very end of season one, like the last couple minutes of uh, episode ten. But oh my yeah. god, it's satisfying.
1: But in but in this one, they they stumble onto one of these radiation shelters. Yes. So let's let's play this because this is kind of leading us into this. You know, this is the penultimate climax. We're going into the climactic episode next season or next episode where things really hit the fan. But this is a good setup for Can that. Can you
0: imagine if we tried to do both episodes this day? Like, yeah, a lot. Here we go.
1: Open the door. Say- this is the one it's shut, it stays
3: shut. Oh! Oh! Oh!
2: <laughs> all right, all gonna right. be
0: all right. The stand-up series, dude. <laughs> Why do you stand still in the room when you see this? What? Yeah, this is
2: definitely a, uh, I'm gonna take a couple of respectful steps back. <laughs> Things are worrying up. Yeah, let's stay in
0: here. Stand still while we get irradiated. Get out.
4: Get out! What? <laughs> the hell was that?
3: We just got hit with a mega dose of hard radiation. Not bad.
0: This is one of those things where you go, oh. Miller's kind
1: of so, Chris. I, I want to ask real quick because you probably have a better handle on this than than uh, most of us uh, lay people. Uh, Hard radiation. What do they mean by that?
0: (laughs) I don't fucking know. Uh, <laughs> it's, my guess is it's probably like there's there. My guess is he's talking about either direct X-ray or gamma radiation uh, exposure, rather than something like a, <laughs> ultraviolet radiation, uh, because like you're gonna get exposed to ultraviolet radiation. Also in space, you're gonna get exposed to like cosmic rays and a bunch of other shit and like other things coming from solar winds. Like you're exposed to a whole bunch of things. And actually, one of that's actually one of the the biggest issues with. Um, I'm saying actually way too many times Uh, with the idea of sending people to Mars is what do you do to protect them from the interplanetary radiation that they're going to be exposed to. And so there have been, I remember watching this on like the discovery channel as a kid, because I was literally that kid. Uh, All I did was I didn't watch any of the fun shows except like uh, some of the cartoons, but I was like, Give me that Discovery Channel and History Channel. I need to learn about all of the things, like the history of the
1: Nerd! And Gosh.
0: how the Allies killed Gargoyles. Hitler. Yeah, I did watch Gargoyles, though. That show <laughs> okay, fucking good. rocked. Good. Yes, um, it slaps. It's so good. Honestly, probably the best cartoon of my childhood. Um, good, although, Thundercat's also very good. But uh, I remember more of Gargoyles. Anyway, uh, 90s reminiscence aside, the... The radiation that you're exposed to, like one of the easiest ways to protect against radiation is actually with water. So the, the, one of the proposed mechanisms for shielding astronauts on an interplanetary mission uh, is to uh, put the food and the water around the astronauts. And so ideally what you would do is you would use a bunch of water uh, as the shielding because it absorbs, like, all of the radiation. But the problem is that water is really fucking heavy, and so it's uh, not a great... From a, uh, a mass efficiency perspective, when you're trying to launch everything with rockets, you don't really want to use water to do it. So you find other ways to, to make it all happen. But that's uh, They're going to be exposed to some shit, but this is c- pretty clearly like some laboratory experiment level stuff where there's like a projector that's just like, like we're just going to zap you with all of the gamma rays and uh, see yeah. what fucking happens.
1: Well, it's it's something you know they talk about a little bit in the belt, but not not as much as like you would have to in real like true hard sci-fi fashion. Uh, that humanity uh, developed in a very specific ecosystem, in a very specific and like you know Goldilocks habitat here on yep. the planet Earth. Where we have a magnetosphere and we have an atmosphere and we have all of this stuff that shield us from all of the nasty shit that's flying around in in our solar system, not just coming off of our sun, but coming off of all the other stars and planets and all that other bullshit around us. Mars doesn't have that atmosphere nope. anymore; it, it blew away and billions no of years ago. Either. Exactly. So there's nothing to stop that radiation from getting to the surface and frying everything. And if you look at, um, I think it's, I think it's the first great mass extinction on the planet Earth when all the trilobites died out. They think that may have been from a gamma ray burst. Like, there's some theorize, theorizing that it was a gamma ray burst that just, like, happened to hit the planet Earth exactly and just kind of wipe everything out because I think it's the Permian extinction. Like, hmm. everything just died, and then, like, 90% of, like, life died and then kind of came back, but it was all very primitive uh, trilobite life that, that died, stuff that lived at the bottom of the oceans or near the the, the surface and very very old stuff, but everything on the planet just died at once, and there are very few things that can do that, but like gamma radiation can directly cut through our atmosphere, and when you're talking about living on an asteroid or living out uh, towards the edge of the heliosphere, you have less protection out there, like the planet Earth being closer to the sun doesn't just make it so it's warm enough for like things to exist here in the States that they do. And we have liquid water and stuff. It also keeps us far away from the nasty radiation that's coming from outside the solar system. Because when you look at what the Voyager craft are seeing, once they get outside the heliosphere is like, there's just a fuck ton of like radioactive bullshit out in interstellar space. It's just radiation and x-rays and all this other shit. That's not good for life bouncing Mm. around out there. So humans are very fragile and our our universe does not really care about that. It's, it's actually very rare to see life develop and develop to the point of like intelligence. Right. So this is something we're kind of like looking at. And I think I just find it really fascinating because in the expanse, they don't go into how the technology has been perfected to allow us to do this, but you kind of have humans just hopping in spaceships as though they're getting in their Corolla to go to whole foods.
0: Yeah. And and so like one of the things that is mentioned briefly, but like it, it bears more repeating, like, yes, the atmosphere actually does provide a ton of radiation protection, but also the magnetosphere is probably the more important aspect. And so that we actually get that from being a geologically active planet. And so because we've got volcanoes and we've got earthquakes and we've got all of these things with the tectonic plates shifting around, like, that all has to do with the fact that, you know, we have a molten core, which is creating the magnetosphere for us. Mars doesn't have that. So that's why in, on Mars, everything would be on, under domes. And more than just under domes, if you look at, like, actual plans for colonizing Mars, most of them have to do with, like, you burrow underground. Like, you got to build tunnels yeah. and you got to put everything there. Same thing with, like, any kind of, like, lunar outposts. It's mostly like there's like there's a little landing spot above with like an antenna and like a landing pad and an airlock. But then everything that is actually used for the sustenance of the people is down below the ground, below below the lunar regolith, because a regolith, regolith, I don't know how to fucking pronounce it, because you need that mass above you to absorb that massive amount of radiation that is not being deflected by our magnetosphere. And the same thing holds true on Mars. Uh, and, and, and even, I don't know if it's more so because actually it is more so because at least on the moon, like if you're, if you're on the side that faces the earth, you get the protection of having the earth, like giving you that shadow for everything in that portion of the sky. Because,
1: because the moon is, is tidally locked. It doesn't rotate. It's always one side faces the planet earth.
0: And that's why there are, we know, but we also do know that there are no Nazis hiding on the moon because they, they, the Nazis that knew how to get to the moon. Like that actually had ideas for how to get to the moon. They all came here and they all worked for NASA. So yeah. Well and 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 it's also one thing where
1: yeah there's also you know the other thing is when you're out in space you don't have an atmosphere uh right. it's very fucking cold in space and cold. so living under the ground allows you to conserve the heat radiation that you were putting off and that you are like goings-on or doing so it allows you to keep things more within the baseline for sustainability uh logan so we're wrapping towards the we're quickly coming towards the end of of this series or this this uh season, season rather so where's the belt sitting as we as we hurdle towards this climax. Like what what do you think is going on in the belt?
2: Less confident than they were a couple episodes ago <laughs> because uh <laughs> they they are now starting to realize that uh I mean number 1 they they lost uh Lionel Polanski aka Julie Mao. And great great name were, by the way. Great name. Perfect code name. Just the weirdest thing. <laughs> but uh <laughs>
1: But they is don't. he a they spy? Don't. Is he a playwright? Who fucking knows? Maybe we'll catch <laughs> his stuff on Broadway.
2: But with the bell, I, uh, I think that there's a couple like like it's it's again the the differences between Anderson Dawes and Fred Johnson, where Anderson is focused completely on consolidating power in series, knowing that that is their most prized station. They have to take this in order for the OPA's power to grow. And Anderson's, you know, feeling pretty good about that because he's largely successful. And with Fred Johnson, you know, like Anderson is looking inward and feeling good. And Fred Johnson is looking out going, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm an I I, I am an earther. I'm an inner. I know how this shit goes. And it's about to go really, really bad, really, really fast. Well, he's got a battleship
0: bearing down on him at full speed, like. There's a battleship doing yeah. like the, the one of the 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 Nathan Hale is, I believe not the flagship of the U, of the UNN you know navy. No, but, but it's a
1: it's a it's, it's a, a big badass ship. ship. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, and they're coming it's, for him. Yeah, it,
2: it it's definitely uh fuck you Tago Station where we, we will take you if we want it. Uh and 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 the only thing that Fred Johnson has is a big ass Mormon ship. That's all he's got really. <laughs>
1: Like foreshadowing, it's very, foreshadowing. It's a, it's a very Admiral Perry moment that they seem to be hurtling towards. Mm-hmm. Very much so. So I, I think that, you know, the belt
2: locally is feeling very, very good, but you know, any OPA uh, operative that is looking at the, the greater conflict is starting to see, oh, this may be more than what we bargained for. You know, we were just expecting a lot of border skirmishes and eventually everyone comes to terms and we end up increasing our power at the end of it and now it's like oh this might actually become a real fucking war and we are not ready for that so that's that's where the belt is right now
1: now that makes a lot of sense and uh chris there, there hasn't been a lot of action from mars mars has been a little bit sidelined but where is mars sitting as we get ready to go into the climax
0: uh Mars is very much embracing that, uh, that alternate title for this first series that Logan mentioned earlier of what the fuck is going on. Uh, they had the information about the drives. They uh, apparently, because you know, Frank DeGraff had it. So therefore Mars probably sent that to him. Um, and uh, Mars is really just kind of like, uh, well, you know, a patrol ship got knocked out. Uh, or damaged at least by this you know this rock copper launching some pebbles at us um, didn't really actually amount to anything, and we just blew him out of the sky for it, you know uh, respond with a big stick when somebody pokes you a little bit uh but there there's there's really the the Martians are really just kind of along for the ride at this point. they don't actually know or have any hand in what's going on because there's just no, none of this has directly impacted Martians. I mean, the, the Martians are trying to understand what happened to their, their research scientists on Phoebe Station, but all they know is that, you know, Phoebe Station got taken out and that the Donager that went to go explore and figure out what the fuck happened to Phoebe Station was also taken out, which means they are no longer top dog as far as it comes to military strength because... From a Martian perspective, the Donager was unkillable. It was unsinkable. There's, like, You saw that in the energy that Alex had during that that close quarter combat scene um, way back in episode, I don't fucking remember, um, earlier the on. Four or oh, God damn it, I hit the thing. Yeah, four. It, four, yeah. fair enough. Um, I hit the thing and it started the music, I apologize. Um, but... The Martians are looking at this and saying, we were supposed to, we, 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 like the, the, the captain, the admiral, whatever her name was, um, on that ship was like, we weren't supposed to lose. Uh, I didn't think we could lose like that, that extremely accurately, uh, encompasses the Martian sensibility at this point in time of like, we don't know what the fuck's going on, uh, but it's not looking good. And there is a, a power dynamic shift Uh, Because a new player has entered the stage, and that new player is fucking with everybody, uh, and no one really knows what's going on. Uh, With the exception of Jules-Pierre Mao, uh, the evil Fred Bezos of uh, this universe. So, more evil Fred Bezos, because Fred Bezos is fucking uh, evil. Bezos is fucking evil. Like, this is... uh, It's bad. Uh, Corporate oligarchs are terrible
1: and that mm. that actually brings me to earth because like earth is now grappling with trying to answer to two masters yes. one being the the ultimate hegemon in the system the cradle of humanity the birthplace of our species but also being kind of stagnant outside of these massive corporations that are largely exploiting the the uh the belt and other uh, less privileged people mm. in order to build their technology and build their wealth while earth is largely left behind and earth has the advantage in terms of numbers they have more people on earth because it's easier to have a lot of people on earth than it is on mars or the belt but they're also this aging is you know they're they're a society that has become very ossified that is is very brittle that is not able to adapt as well as the belt or mars is to the changing conditions and the people that have kind of kept earth in this position of power are now beginning to turn on it that there are greater forces afoot than even the earth can can yet grapple with. And so Christian Officer Rale is confronting not just a conspiracy within her own government, but beginning to confront forces that largely can't be controlled by humanity. And they're just beginning to get this understanding. And as we'll see, going to this next episode, things become a fight for survival on many, many levels. Not just our Josephus Miller and James Holden trying to escape Eros alive after having been poisoned by some very deadly radiation, but the crew of the Rosinante is trying to make their way through a dying station which is defended by some very corrupt Belter gang members who are now playing cops. And there's a science team on there that apparently wants everyone locked in and dying. So we will catch you all next week as we watch the Climactic episode. Still debating on whether or not we're going to take a week off before season two or not. We will let you all know on that one. But uh, this is going to be a fun one. So thank you all for joining us this week. Uh, Hope you all enjoyed it. The podcast will be up tomorrow. Ah, uh, we did get audio from Chris this time, uh, which I—I I know some people might see that as you know a bit of a negative, but no, <laughs> just kidding, Chris. Oh, we love you. you. Uh, but thank you all again, uh, and uh, yeah, um, excelsior, I guess. I was trying to think of a sci-fi well, thing to say, and I so failed.
0: Before before we we, we leave, uh, do we want to try to um, you know we didn't actually talk about one of our one of our favorite sections uh, this episode. Yes. Uh, Oh, the fashion mode. The fashion mode. So we didn't actually capture a screen grab of it, but I think I I can uh, pull it in here uh, if I can figure out how to get OBS to cooperate. Not Chrome Capture, MPC. There it is. Uh, Yes. It looks weird. Let's see if I can fix that. And money. There we go. We have. There we go. Christian Avasarali in, frankly, what is an amazing outfit for running up to mm. Anchorage, Alaska. Um, yeah. That collar Very is, kind
1: of Game of Thrones look.
0: It does. Yeah. It does. And it turns out... I mean, she's wearing this on top of, like, her usual sorry number, but that collar is... Uh, it works. It works real good, like, I gotta say, so... Yeah, first uh, of her name. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we'll be sure to include more uh, Christian Avasarala fashion moments in uh, in the future episodes of Belta Louder for the people in the back. Um, but thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. We will be back here next week. We'll probably I don't I'm gonna guess that we're not gonna be really taking a break between seasons one and two because I am incredibly addicted to this show and I will continue to watch it even if I don't actually have the time to be watching it because yeah uh, everything is insane right now. So. Uh, Thank you, Squirrel. Thank you, Logan. Uh, We got any closing closing comments, Logan, from, I don't know, fucking whatever you want (laughs) to say. I do have a plug. Yeah, go for it. uh, Hooray!
2: So uh, we uh, have just soft launched this, but uh, I am uh, working with Yasmin Pomeroy uh, as she runs for uh, city council in District 3. Uh, she's a high school educator in Woodland Hills, uh, she, is, she classifies herself as an abolitionist educator, uh, intensely focused on the housing and economic crises, uh, and very, very much against uh, homeless encampment sweeps, understands that that doesn't just fix the problems, it actually makes them worse. Uh, and she's uh, very, very strong on climate justice and understanding how that intersects with all of her students. Uh, she's very much an advocate for her students, and uh, she's running out in District Three. And uh, if you want to know more, hit uh, YasminForTheCity.com.
0: Nice, thank you. That's fantastic. Thank you very much for that plug. Um, and with that, we will call it a night here, and we'll uh, look forward to talking with all of y'all next week uh, for another episode of Belt Louder for the People in the Back, where we wrap up season one of The Expanse. And uh, welcome the alien overlords that are going to kill us all. Mm, spoiler. <laughs> 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 all right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that, that's that's all I got. So, bye.
2: See ya friends.